Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. share with you some encouragement this morning for mom and dad, for grandma and grandpa, um, for those of you that find yourself in a place of influence and authority over people. One quick thing before we look at the word. You know there's a difference between influence and authority, right? As a mom, as a dad, as a grandma or grandpa, aunt, uncle, whatever, um, there's a difference between your influence over your kids and your authority over your kids. As a parent with younger kids, I have an eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old. He'll be nine in two weeks, and he will let you know pretty quick that he's closer to nine than he is eight. At nine years old and at two years old with Anna Lee, I have full authority over them, right? They do what I say if for no other reason because I said so. TJ says, why do I have to clean my room? I don't need to give him a list of reasons because we got to keep it neat, because you won't lose anything, because ants won't get in there, whatever. I don't need any of those reasons. The only reason I need is because I said so. Right, Mom and Dad? Is that the best part of being a parent or what? Kid, go wash my car. Why? Because I said so. Go fold them towels. Why? Because I said so. So that's authority. As a parent to little kids, I have full authority over them. Now, my mom and dad is a parent to a grown-up kid. I'm not a little kid. I'm an extra large. Sometimes I'm a 2XL kind of kid. I am an adult. I am 42, almost 42-year-old adult. Mom and dad's authority over me is a little different than the authority that I have over my two kids. Right? Those of you parents with older kids, those of you grandparents with older kids, your uh, authority as the kids get older turn into influence. Authority lowers, influence raises as kids grow old. My dad would not come over to my house today and say, you need to mow your yard because I said so. I don't have to. I pay the bill at the house. The house is in my name. All the bills are in my name. I have a family that live there, I run the house, I'm in charge of 162 Farmbrook Drive, that's my spot, that's not his spot. Everybody follow? However, what dad could say is, hey, the grass is about 10 inches high out there, you may want to put the, put the lawnmower to it. Have you thought about that? You see the difference between authority and influence? I would probably do it, not because he said so, but because of the influence over me. As kids grow up, your authority turns into influence. Now listen to this and listen good. Mom and dad, if you abuse authority with little kids, that lowers your influence with grown-up kids. Does that make sense? Some of you have been there. As kids, seen it with your parents. If you abuse your authority 
as a kid, to a kid, then you will lose your influence to them as adults. So I want to encourage you this morning, whether you find yourself in an influence stage of life or you find yourself in an authoritative stage of life, there are certain principles that we could find in Scripture, certain things that will help us out, and we're going to look at two of them real quickly this morning. To do that, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 26. Let's read here Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, really quickly. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth, to your, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Verse 4, so Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and his Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions, all their possessions which they had accumulated, and persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Moreh. How do you pronounce that, y'all? Moreh. Moreh. Keep reading. Keep reading. Now, <laughs> uh, probably going to get fired today. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain, of the, uh, to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. Stop. There is the famous call of Abraham. That is when the Lord called Abraham to leave your house. Abraham thought, well, where am I going? He didn't know. He didn't know how long it was going to take. He didn't know what it was going to look like. He didn't know what he would encounter on the way. It didn't matter. The Lord called. He followed. Abraham did a good and admirable job there. Amen? Keep reading. Verse 10, now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. It came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. And they will kill me, but they will let you live. So Abraham said, please say that you are my sister so that, it, so that it may go well with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. Everybody follow what's happening. There was a famine. They went down to Egypt. Abraham's wife, Sarah, was apparently extremely attractive, very beautiful, Abraham said. And he said, listen, if we go down here, these Egyptians see you, they're going to want to marry you. They're going to want to be with you. Um, and they're going to kill me so they can have you. So if you don't mind, can you tell them you're my sister? I don't think that would go over in my house. I'm not going to ask how it would go over in yours. I'm going to assume it would go over very similar in your house as it would mine. Not good. Amen? Boys, let me give you a pro tip. Don't ever introduce your wife as your sister. 
Got it? Some of you may be thinking, what's the point in parenting and influence and authority here? Here's the point in parenting and influence and authority. We see Abraham did a really good job following the call of God on his life. Then once trouble came, once famine came, it seems like, it appears like he forgot all about the Lord. Can I encourage you as mom or dad, when you find yourself um, with authority or influence, can I encourage you to seek the Lord first? As mom and dad, you will be faced with a lot of tough decisions. You'll be faced with a lot of struggles, with a lot of pain, with a lot of tough situations will come in your life with your family and with your kids. Can I encourage you? The word instructs us to seek God on the front end of those decisions, not after the decision is made. Never once did I read here in these first 13 verses where Abraham sought after the Lord for wisdom. Did you see that? I did not. Abraham did a good job following the call of the Lord. But then once trouble came, he did not do a good job in seeking the Father for help. I want to encourage you to seek the Lord first before trouble comes. Seek the wisdom of God before a decision is made. Seek the wisdom of God on the front end of your situation, not in the middle of your situation. We talked about this last week when we talked about when we try to do God's job for Him. When it seems like God is moving in slow motion and He's taking forever to do what He said He would do, and then we step in and try to be God in place of God, we get ourselves in trouble every single time. This is an example, another example in Abraham's life where he tried to do something that God would do for him. He tried to protect himself when he should have trusted God to protect him. He tried to deliver himself by lying and deceiving when he could have trusted in faith the same God that he trusted in faith to lead him out of his home and into a foreign land. This is an example of a human trying to do something that only God can do for them. A New Testament example of this is the story of Peter and Jesus when they walked on the water. You know the story? Of course you do. Jesus, uh, Peter and the disciples were in the boat. Jesus comes walking up on the water, and Peter sees him. And he says, Lord, if that's you, call me out of the boat. And he didn't move. He stayed in the boat. Jesus says, come on. At that time, only after Jesus said, come on, we see Peter take a step out of the boat and start walking on the water. Notice he did not move until Jesus called him out of the boat. Does that make sense? He did a really good job of following Jesus when Jesus called him out of the boat. If you and I were in a boat together today and I said, Travis, go walk on that water. What you doing? No, no, no. But when Jesus calls you out, when Jesus calls Peter out, he trusted in faith that Jesus can take care of this. Now, you know the rest of the story. While Peter's walking on the water, what happens? 
he starts to notice the wind and the waves, and the Bible says he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking around. All of a sudden, like Abraham, he did a good job following the Lord's call, but when trouble came, when a struggle came, when a tough time came, he took his eyes off the Lord, he forgot who he was with, he forgot who he was following, he forgot who called him out of the boat, and he tried to walk on the water all on his own. Can I encourage you today as mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunt and uncle, friend, family, whoever, you trusted the Lord on the front end, keep trusting. Keep trusting. He's still worthy of your trust. He still will live up to his word in your life. How many times in my life have I found myself faced with a decision? And instead of praying instead of trusting the Lord I make the decision in my own power and my own wisdom and then beg God to bless it on the back end does that make sense you ever been there I hope you're not there anymore I hope I'm not there anymore the Lord wants us to trust him on the front end I don't know what would have happened in this story in Genesis chapter 12 if Abraham would have took some time to salt the Lord's wisdom, to salt his protection on the front end, instead of him trying to do what he could do in his own power and his own strength and not allowing the power of God Almighty to do what the power of God Almighty does. Everybody follow. Now here's the danger. Here's the danger. You could hear these words. The enemy can trick them. The enemy can deceive your mind into think, well, shoot, I'm going to trust the Lord then, and then my hands are off of it. I have no responsibility. Whatever happens, happens. If it turns out good, turns out good. Turns out bad, turns out bad. No. Mom and dad, look at me and listen. Trusting in God does not remove the responsibility of the blessing that God has put in your life. Amen. Daddies, look at me. Look at me. This is on us. As a dad, this is on us. We're the leaders of the family. We're the one who God has placed in the leadership role in the house. It's on me and you as a dad. I have two kids. I have TJ and Annalee. They're my responsibility. They're not the government's responsibility. They're not the school system responsibility. They're mine. They turn out the way they turn out because of my authority and my influence, not because of the school systems or whoever's the president. They're mine. I have responsibility for them. God's not telling you to take your hands off. God's not telling you to do it all by yourself. God is simply saying this. Let me do it through you. Dad, there's no better place for you to be this morning than for you to be submitted to God and lead your family the way that God leads you. There's no better place for you to be this morning than to be submitted to the Lord and let Him provide for you and then you provide for the family. Let Him protect you and then you protect the family. Do you understand that today? Is that making sense? Just because the Lord does it through us, we still have responsibility. They're still your kids. They're still your sons and your daughters. 
TJ will learn how to treat women, not from the TV, not from what he sees in movies, but from how he sees me treating his mom. TJ will learn how to serve the church, not from what he sees on TV or hears from his friends. He will learn it from what he sees from me. TJ will learn what he learns about the, about the Lord, about Jesus, about the Word, not from what he hears at, at school, not from what he sees on the news, but from what he hears and sees in me. He's my responsibility. And it's my job to lay down my life, to submit my life, to give up my life, to the one that can do it through me much better than I could ever do it on my own. Mom and Dad, can I encourage you to seek God first on the front. Don't wait till the valley comes. Because tough times come. Those 2 a.m. wake-up calls come. The struggles come. You think three-month-old baby is rough. Wait till three-month-old baby becomes 16-year-old baby. Right, Mom and Dad? I had a parent tell me one time when I shared with this, this uh, mom when TJ was real little, TJ didn't sleep all night till a year and a half, y'all. Like, it was rough at our house for a year and a half. And I shared one night, one day with her how, you know, we hadn't slept in three and a half days, and it's just been rough. She said, let me tell you something. She said, I have a 17-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old daughter. She said, you're staying up because they can't sleep. She said, I'm staying up in the middle of the night because they're not home. She said, we're in the same boat. Different ocean, but we're in the same boat. So mom and dad, tough times come. Struggles come with babies, with toddlers, with preschool, elementary school, middle school, college, 25-year-old kids, 45-year-old kids. You will face tough times as mom and dad seek God first seek his wisdom his protection his word on the front end of those decisions not on the back end amen number two turn to Genesis chapter 26 in Genesis chapter 26 we see the story of Isaac Isaac was Abraham's son um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the patriarchs of the Jewish faith. And what we will find here in Genesis chapter 26 is a story very similar in Isaac's life that we just read about in Abraham's life. Remember, Abraham was dad, Isaac was the son. Genesis chapter 26 says this. Let me find it. Genesis chapter 26 says this. Now there was a famine in the land. You ever heard that before? We're at Genesis chapter 12. Keep reading. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerir and uh, uh, went to Gerir to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land for which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For, you. for to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens, and will give your descendants 
descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed me, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. One quick thing there, we see God uh, confirmed the covenant that he made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He made the same covenant, and he continued that covenant through Isaac here in Genesis chapter 26. Keep reading. Verse 6, so Isaac lived in Gerar, 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 it ain't didn't, I don't know it. Verse 7, when the men of this place asked about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of the place might kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. You ever heard that story before? Where'd you hear it last time? Genesis chapter 12. You see Abraham go down to Egypt, tell Pharaoh and the Egyptians that his wife is his sister so that they would not kill him. We see Genesis chapter 26, Isaac to the Philistines say, no, she's not, we're not, we're not married. She's, she's my sister. Why? Same reason as Abraham he was afraid for his life. Mom and dad, listen. What you build is where your kids will live. What you teach is what they learn. What you live is how they will live. What you show them is what they see. Some people call this the generational curse. Some people call it generational sin. What I call it, like father, like son. I hope you know today that in your authority and your influence rubs off greatly on your sons and on your daughters. We see Abraham lie and deceive. What do we see from Isaac? Lies and deception. Two principles at play here. Number one, your sin of today not only affects you, but it also affects your kids around you. We've talked about this before, how sin doesn't just affect us, but it also affects people around us. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago of a pastor buddy of mine who found himself in a situation outside of God's will and how that not only affected him, but it affected other families. His family affected me and my ministry and job that I was at at the time. Our sin today, the sin in your life today, not only affects you, but it affects your kids as well. Secondly, not only does your sin affect them, the consequences of your sin affects your kids as well. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. Your kid's not going to be punished for your sin. But what can happen and what does happen is the consequences, the reaction to, the fallout of your sin affects them. We see this all the time. My buddy I told you about a couple weeks ago, he made a decision outside of God's will, outside of God's word. And it affected his life greatly. But what he failed to realize is that the consequences of his actions, him not being at home for over 10 years, 
also affects his family. The kids walk in the footsteps of the parents. What you do is mom and dad. What you do is grandma and grandpa. The way you talk, the way you act, the way you react to situations directly impacts the way your kids will act and react in those same situations. That's why we need the Lord's help. Amen? Because sometimes I don't have the best reactions to struggle. Sometimes I don't have the best reactions to pain. Sometimes I don't have the best reactions to dumb people. I hope you do, but I don't. Sometimes I don't have the best reaction to jerks. Sometimes I don't have the best reaction to temptation. That's why we need the Lord's help. Because what I do, my life, will directly rub off on TJ and Anna Lee. Because the house that I build is where they live. So can I encourage you, instead of showing your kids what it looks like to hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred, can we start to show them what it looks like to love and to forgive and to pray and to trust and to find hope in the Lord? Instead of showing them what it looks like to live outside of the word of the Lord, can we show them what it looks like to live inside the will of God? Principle number two, the sin that they see in you one day will be seen in them. The sin that they see in you will be seen in them. There are things that I look at in my mom and dad, and I love my mom and dad greatly. They're the best ever. But there are times where I'll think, Dad shouldn't have said that. Mom shouldn't have reacted that way. Y'all, then, like, less than a year later, I think to myself, I shouldn't have reacted like that. I shouldn't have reacted that way. I find myself not only living in the consequences of mom and dad's decisions, but I find myself making the same bad decisions that they made before me. That's tough as mom and dad. However, 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 there's hope. Amen. This is where it comes in with God doing what only God can do for us. When we build our life on the Lord's word, he can go back in time. He can go back in your heart. He can go back in your life. He can redeem your past mistakes. He can break the generational curse. He can break the generational sin because He is the one that created you to begin with. Because He's the author of your faith, the author of your salvation, and He is the creator of your life. So where new life needs to happen, where old life needs to stop and new life needs to happen, that's only found in Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John chapter 8, who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Mom and dad, if there's something in your life that is not lined up with the Lord's word, you can be free from it today. 
And when you're free from it, guess who else receives freedom? The kids. Jesus is strong enough. He's powerful enough to do a work in your life so that it not only affects you, but it will affect the people around you and it will affect the people in your house. That principle works not only for sin, but also for forgiveness. Not only for sin, but also for healing. Can I encourage you as mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, as person of influence and authority, to build your house, to build your life on the Lord's word and the Lord's will and let that rub off on the people in your life today. Amen. Let's stand together.